Welcome to the Podcast Maneuver, the officially unofficial podcast for Star Trek Picard on Paramount Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're here to do season two, episode nine feedback episode. Aaron, uh what did the audience have to say? What what was the general tenor of the audience's uh feedback? We had so as rough uh, as ours. Uh, and an, uh, an item or two of praise, but yeah, there's a lot of a uh, lot of quantum torpedoes being launched at this uh, particular Ooh. show. Shields are buckling. Uh, hull integrity is is questionable at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do we need to separate I, the saucer section? Is all I'm asking. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like, when I think we're being too mean on the show, I I just just this morning or maybe it was last night, Red Letter Media's coverage of episodes six through nine dropped and they're just scathing. Um, and yeah. I, I'll say this like so like this reminds me of middle Walking Dead where uh, with with a with a spice with a little dash of uh, so, some some spice onto it, because like I the overwhelming amount of people that are like watching and enjoying the show are just sick of people like us. Sure. Um, but what annoys me is um, I feel like they are retreating into the like, well, if you hate the Star Trek, it's you hate diversity, which has never been my problem. <laughs> I've always loved right? the fact that Trek is diverse. Trek has always been diverse. Trek has always right, tackled from day one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What do you think your hero was doing on the bridge? Yeah, they're, they got they got the captain <laughs> kissing a, uh, his, his his black uh, bridge officer. Right. And, and got them banned off southern stations like, uh, you know, Rikers macking on either a non-binary or trans woman. Like that's fucking really ahead of the curve when you're talking about stuff in the late 80s, early 90s. And, and honestly, I, I credit Star Trek for the reason that I came out of the cornfields of Indiana, not being a complete shithead. I had right. a whole political podcast, Star Trek Republican. Like, you know, that was one of the, <laughs> that was one of the theses of it. So I don't like getting lumped in with the people. And then there are a lot of those, like, you know, there are a lot of people like I hate sure. Star Trek because, you know, it's got people that, that, that I, I perceive as being different from me on it. But I feel like the other side, there's just a lot of uncritical love and I, I don't get it. Um, you know, maybe that there are um, some plot holes that we've talked about that maybe are not real plot holes or that maybe the things, uh, you know, or if there are plot holes that they've been able to pave over successfully. But I just I, I, I it's it's just not my track, man. This is not the Star Trek that I grew up with. And I think it's it's frustrating because at this point in the season, you know, we talked about like they did a kind of a drive by on ice and immigration Mm-hmm. And we were waiting. It's like, well, you know, if, if if this is an old Star Trek episode, you would have like a complete resolution of that plot in in a one hour. But it's it's a ten episode, maybe the. But it's it's clear now uh, that no, they just it was just going to be a drive by. Um, they're mm-hmm. not going to deal into like why it's not like what the impact. This is like you you have to kind of I, that's what bugs me is like you have to kind of agree with the show's point of view. Because the show's never going to give you anything that's going to make you think, you know, your point of view might be be wrong. And I felt like Classic Trek did a much better job of, and again, it was pretty preachy. I'm not going to say that they did it perfectly, that, that Roddenberry was uh, a really nuanced uh, person that could, could get tough ideas across. But I feel like they did a better job on touching on some of these issues than, than this new track is doing and favor yeah, they just of, explored the issue more. You know, it's, it's not right. just a drive by it's all episode dedicated to an issue and they, right. they go to both sides of the issue and they look at it and talk at it, uh, talk about it. And then sure they have their own opinions and they've always had their, their opinions on it, but like at least they explore the topic. Right. 
but it makes me feel really lonely as a Star Trek fan that like I feel like I'm a man without a country or maybe an undiscovered country because if I look at the critical people that are being critical of Star Trek there is a lot of that you know reactionary bullshit and I have a look at the people that mm-hmm. are like uncrit- uh, uncritically loving Star Trek then I feel like I'm hanging out in the old Walking Dead subreddits around season six through eight where people are just like I don't understand why no one why people are complete you're just saying bad and like yeah, and like the thing is, is like the the results are in. They ran that Walking Dead. Like we told people when this was getting 20 million people watching it, this is a bad show and it's not sustainable. And now look at it. It's it's, it's limping into its final season with barely a million people watching it. And I I, yeah. I think Star Trek can do better. I'm sorry. I think I oh, think I agree. Yeah. And, and I don't think it ever will be better until you get the people responsible for the suck out. Like it, it, I, I don't know why the 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 Kurtzmans and the who's the other guy's name? The Gimples uh, of the universe the continue to yeah continue to run these shows and and have say in a declining audience uh, participation. It's but the, the thing wild. is, is like I, I recognize when I watch their behind the scenes stuff, I see the same stuff I saw in Gimple, where it's like they are completely immune yeah. to even good faith criticisms and they're quick yeah. to latch onto the bad faith stuff and just dismiss it. Just like all the others, but like, Oh, these are just people just, just hate diversity and stuff. And it's annoying. Cause I think star Trek has been better. can be better. People took like, you know, they're, they're trying to take movie star Trek, which are always more event based things and try to make that into like each individual episode. And it just, it just doesn't work. Or star no. Trek is just then a generic science fiction action show. Exactly. Um, and maybe there's not many right now, but I think, I think science fiction is back in a big way. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the, the smarter fans that are looking for something more are going to find it on for all mankind. They're going to find it in foundation. They're going to find it in, uh, uh, I'm blanking on the other big science fiction stuff we're doing right Westworld. now. Westworld. Westworld, Severance, and mm-hmm. Walking Dead's going or Walking Dead, the yeah, the the, 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 the <laughs> Trekking Dead is going to to fall off, and I that's that sucks as a Star yeah. Trek fan. Um, people are like, well, maybe Strange New Worlds would be better. It's the same people Why on top. Would it be? The, yeah, the only way it is is if they do take the criticism of or, or not in criticism but if they do envision it like as a classic Trek where yeah. you know it's a it's a planet of the week. That might be their salvation because they can have dumb shows and they can have because every once in a while Star Trek Picard does reach that level of like old Star Trek. But instead of being one good episode, it's like one plot out of a 10 episode stretch. And if, if you know, maybe maybe Strange New Worlds can be like Star Trek Next Generation Season 2. We're like, there's going to be some god awful shit there, but like, you, mm-hmm. well, that's that's a bad episode. We're going to have a good one, and I'm I'm hoping maybe that and they can string enough of the together to, like, Star Trek Next Generation did find its 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 footing. I just don't see the incentive. Like, if 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 the producer, if the the people pulling the strings and controlling the wallets at Paramount are saying, well, everything you're doing is great. And they are saying that because they keep greenlighting shows over and over. Like we have four new Star Trek shows now with the same Mm -hmm. people running them. Uh, If they keep saying, uh, uh, you know, or explicitly here, practically, uh, these shows are great. Keep doing that. What is their incentive to change? Right. Unless they just get bored with the formula. But it doesn't seem like yeah. they have yet. So I, I don't have a lot of hopes for Strange New Worlds. We'll see. Uh, I, I'm, I am going to give it a shot to 
just see if maybe there's something different there. Uh, and they have right. gotten bored with this formula, but because I'm certainly bored well, with the formula. Well, that's the other thing is like, I think people think that like, oh, well, they'll just eventually find or stride the same way the next generation did. They'll grow into their beard, you know, they'll, they'll pop sure. their collars. But what I've learned in the last couple of years through a commission podcast that, that, that asked us to watch this chaos on the bridge documentary is that wasn't a writing room that grew into a show. That mm-hmm. was a bloodbath. That was Gene yeah. Roddenberry dying, <laughs> a bunch of people getting axed, an entirely new writing room that was committed to characters rather than, yeah. you know, whatever they were doing in the first two seasons that wasn't working. It was an intentional change in direction. That's why Star Trek uh-huh. The Next Generation got good. It wasn't just like, oh, the writing room gelled and they found the character. No, that was bullshit. Uh, so I don't think unless there's a similar kind of ousting, maybe not everyone's got to go. Maybe just a few people, like we just need some new blood or some new ideas, but I, I don't have a hope for live action Trek unless they do something like that. Because what, because again, these people aren't like, Oh, we're humble truck Trek fans. And we're, you know, we're, we're trying to figure it out. They're like, we know what's mm-hmm. good. And we have people telling us it's good. And you other people that are saying it's bad or wrong. So, right. That continues. Like I said, I'm in for season three because I want to see Gates McFadden. I want to see Michael Dorn. I want to see LeVar Burton. But this is this is a one time trick, right? Like they can't yes. rope me back in the following season if the LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, Gates McFadden season is bad. Like I dare you to bring back Star Trek Janeway. I dare you because I'm out. Like, Cisco? I'm not even, uh, Star Trek Cisco. Jake? I Jake might be in for a year of that. Yeah. Didn't Odo, Odo can, mer- didn't Odo uh-huh, Odo merge with the goo planet? Back. That's sure. true. Anything's possible. And he's ageless, man. He could come back looking true. fresh as a daisy. That's true. Bit Cisco's going to come out of the wormhole. Odo's going to come out mm-hmm. of the slime planet. They're going to get back. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe that's the... You can do... Okay, you can play the trick one more time. <laughs> one more goddamn... But yeah, Star Trek Bacula? Get the fuck out of here. I'm not... I'm not no, 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 no. no. Okay, should we should we see if the the core is breaching this week? Uh, yeah, let's Picard. try and up the containment percentage a little bit. Yeah, Picard at baldmove.com. Zach L is the first one coming out of the angular confinement beam, saying, "Hey y'all, I've been watching the show but listening to your coverage. So if this is a dumb idea. Please ignore it." In the Clone Wars TV show and some of Rebels, there's a mix of like three to five mini arcs throughout the season while also having standalone episodes. This might be a solution to the problem I've been hearing you guys talk about to allow more characters to have growth through the season. Again, I think that's Mm -hmm. a great idea. Uh, It it doesn't have to be all one way or another. Star Trek Next Generation had multiple episode arcs, you know, unification, best of both worlds. A lot of times it was like season finale type stuff, but not always. They had like a whole... Uh, Klingon Civil War arc that was mm-hmm. kind of sneaky. The best thing about season three. Yeah, you don't. It doesn't have to be. It's just like X-Files wasn't all monster of the week. They had the myth arc stuff, too. I, I think that's a great model, especially for people that like this show. The showrunners need like training wheels to kind of like, you know, string this together because like these 10 episode plots just woof, man. And it's a bummer yeah. because once you figure out that it sucks, it's just a slog the rest of the season because who cares? Like once you see the thing they're trying to go for, or like in this case, you're in like episode nine, you still don't see it. Then <laughs> it's, it's just a bummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis says the new board queen and drones don't have any cybernetic en- enhancements. Is the budget just that low that they can't afford makeup effects? Um, it's the bloodstream I- that's enhanced. 
but that's there's a re there's got to be a reason that these board guys don't have shit popping out of their skin it's got to be budget right it's got to be i suppose yeah i mean the effects on this show don't look all that great a lot of the time um so you could tell they're working with compressed effects budgets to begin with so yeah right. it could be I mean, I don't know why you can't glue some erector sets to guys' faces like they did it and get some radiator hoses and having them coming out of their jawbones. Um, but mm-hmm. like, maybe it's also they're like, well, shit, we have a boar queen uh, assimilating, starting assimilating a city. There's just no way Picard and Gerardi and Seven and Rios with their limited access to 20th century technology. There's just no way they're going to beat them. So I, we got to think of a way to cripple the Borg Queen so she can kind of assimilate guys, but not really. They're not going to they're not going to be shielded. They're not going to adapt this shit. They're just going to be essentially zombie soldiers. Um, But I don't I feel like, again, that's just that's just uh, creative constipation. Uh, what happens the next time those people get blood work done? Do they just pull out a vial of blood and it's just filled with Borg nanites? That's a damn good question. All the dead Borg, like when, when like someone goes to Chateau butterfly. Picard and investigates the war, the right. gunshots, the the flashing, the starship taking off in the air, and, and they recover all these Borgified corpses. Uh, is that going to, what kind of butterfly time, what kind of butterfly flaps is that going <laughs> to do know, the time man. stream? I don't know. It's insane. Um, he also Dennis says PS the ad breaks are there for us Paramount Plus subscribers with the ad supported tier I, did, I didn't even know that that was a thing that makes perfect sense yeah um, it does uh, with how this show structured yeah uh, moving on to Alexander K uh, we got a little bit of fan fiction here he's written a spec script okay perfect I love spec Ex- scripts exterior space JL and so the Borg Queen turned the ship around and incinerated them all. It had been a ruse. Interior talk show studio, Guinan. Wow, gripping stuff. We've been hearing Admiral Jean-Luc Picard reading from his new novel, Mirrors and Shadows. What inspired mm-hmm. you to write it, Admiral? Jail. Well, as a young boy, my mother was very important to me. This is my this is my Patrick Stewart. It's not bad. Her struggles with mental <laughs> health and the excellent treatment of the Federation Medical Services were what inspired me to commit my life to the scientific mission of Starfleet and gave me a lifelong appreciation for the work of doctors and counselors. And so I began to wonder what the Federation would look like without these values and eventually conceived of this terrifying, violent, ignorant world. Guinan. And the novel that is brought about by an evil member of the Q Continuum, or though in the novel this is brought about, JL, a truly devilish duo known uh, collectively as Shaban and Goldsman, perhaps more chaotic even than the Q I encountered on the Enterprise, and that, of course, is the joy of fiction. Guinan, I was delighted to see myself portrayed, even as a comically inept magical space tourist abandoning Earth to avoid looking at the homeless. Laughter in studio. Jail. Have you not told your audience of a certain bet that we made? I'm slipping in a little Dr. Evil. I, I can hear it. I'm losing <laughs> sure. it. Yeah. Guinan. I continued to believe you had O'Brien transport that fourth ace into your hand, but I'm afraid that's all the time we have for this delightful conversation. Admiral Picard's new book could be transported into your home for free because this is the goddamn future. Jail. Yes, and might I recommend a nice cup of Earl Grey as you read, or you're enjoying the book in the evening, perhaps a fine glass of Picard Noir, which can be transported into your home for free because, again, this is the bloody future. In scene. Great. I love it. Uh, better, better, 
better than nine out of ten episodes. Or I, I'm sorry, nine out of eight episodes I've seen so far. Congratulations, Alexander. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, Shaban and company will hear of you and uh, get you in the writers' room next year. Next, next up is Joshua B. This is uh, the lone kind of positive uh, praise that the show's gotten, and I, I wanted to spotlight that a little bit before we get into the uh, the, the dreck. Uh, Josh says the line from Picard saying that he used to dream about his mom being older explains that TNG season one, episode six stream. You can pull it up on YouTube. So he's I, I looked at this. I actually looked at this before Josh sent us um, that season one, episode six scene where they go uh, where no man has gone before and they go so far out in space that people start hallucinating and Picard seeing his mom uh he mentions that, you know, he's he's hallucinating seeing his mother and sometimes he would think about her and if she was still alive. And I always took that to be like, you know, uh, Picard's pretty old. He's probably at the age where he loses his mom and she's dead and he remembers her as a comforting presence and, you know, offering her a cup of Earl Grey tea. And there is this one sentence in Star Trek Picard where they retcon that as if. He knew his mom died in his youth and he was projecting what she would look like in the future. And what if she was still there? Um, hmm. I, so there's 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 all kinds of ways to retcon stuff. And I feel like this is closer to the, um, you know, like there's like a yes and type of retconning where it's like, uh, you know, we did show this thing. We're going to build something new off of it. And there's the no but type of retconning. And I feel like this is closer to the no but. Um, because, again, the breadth of Picard's character in Star Trek The Next Generation did not seem like a person who was heavily traumatized, traumatized and was suppressing it. Yeah. Like, he served with an empath that was a therapist so many times he like Sarek mind melded with him. Uh, whoever uh, Dan- Famica J- Jansen was, a, was also a psychic and said that she had read him. Uh, like no one is like no one. No, I, I never got the impression that he was hiding this deep, dark secret. He was carrying the secret weight. Like the only weight he was carrying mm-hmm. was like the weight of duty and responsibility towards a ship. Yeah. And then the trauma and- of being a Borg for a while. Right, right. But even that's something that like he kind of continued to process and 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 mm-hmm. work through. And, you know, we saw that in real time on the show. Uh, and and I'm not going to be mad if people want to say, like, I think this is an interesting dimension to take on Picard. But like what I've always said is it just I, I, I like I always thought Star Trek, my Star Trek was aspirational. Um, it's not that people couldn't get hurt. It's not that people couldn't die. It's not that people couldn't be traumatized. It's just that the Federation of the 24th century had resources. So these people, with very rare exceptions, like I, I remember there was a Beta Z that had a mental, incurable mental illness, but it was like treated like like this like aberration. Like this is just like it's like such a pity that you can't mm-hmm. help this person, that there's only a limited amount of things that we can do. Uh, to keep this person, you know, uh, from from being triggered all the time. Uh you know, they start getting a little darker aspects in Deep Space Nine where there's like it wasn't Bashir like this uh, a part of this child experiment, super, super people yeah. type of thing that went badly. But these were like the exceptions, not the rule. And when you've got a bridge crew full of just broken people and everyone is mm-hmm. Rios, um, uh, Gerardi, Rafi, Seven, Annika, 
they're all these like Picard. They're all these broken people. Um, mm-hmm. It just it, it just really bends what I what I what my conception of Star Trek. Um, and if this is new Trek and there's going to be a new generation of fans that really connects with it, I I wish them well. It's just I can get this kind of trauma shit anywhere to, today. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's everywhere. Like the antihero um, is all over the place and. You know, disco could be its own thing. I'm I'm not saying you can't have a Star Trek that's like that yeah. necessarily. Um, it just needs to be the right time and place for it. Uh, and I feel like Picard is n- is neither the right place nor time. He continues. My wife, who suffers from severe anxiety, watches the show with me. We have a six year old boy who's very much in that mommy is boy type of mold. After watching this episode, my wife was very emotionally uh, and has moved to tears. After the episode, we pulled up the TNG episode and watched the scene with old Mama Picard. I think emotionally it tracks very well. It certainly retcons the scene, but if you watch it after the events of Star Trek Picard, I feel okay with how it tied in. And that's fine, man. I am super on board for this resonating with some people. It's just not, doesn't resonate, resonate with me. Mm-hmm. I think the show season shows that just because someone has a traumatic childhood, that they can still grow up to be successful, especially in the 24th century. I think showing that people... Uh, that might give people hope today that you can still be a Picard despite having traumatic events in your life. Overall, a positive message built there into the season. I don't. So, so like the thing is, is like, I only think stuff like that is inspirational if they're honest about what it takes to get there. And to the extent that you can be a person with a traumatic childhood and still grow up and be successful. Um, I don't know. There's something sad about a person getting to be a hundred years old before they get something so foundational sorted out when they've had so many resources along the way to do it. Totally. And you know what, like what is the message saying that you need a super being to snap their fingers and stage <laughs> this cosmic thing with stakes to get you to appreciate and, and, <laughs> and move past that trauma. Like, can, is, 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 does Medicaid or Medicare cover that kind of service? It does. Uh, yeah, can, you can, can get your can own I, personal cue. Uh-huh. Can, can I can I talk to my general practitioner and 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 have them summon the key, open the bottle and some like I, it's like that's the thing. It's like what is the path? Like it's it's fine and dandy to show someone that does do that, but like uh, it, that, 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 that's where it loses the realism because like I don't see these people like Rene Picard. I didn't see a severely traumatized, uh, emotionally or uh, person with anxiety, uh, uh, dysfunction, um, severe anxiety, shit with generalized anxiety. I didn't see the person like working through that with counseling and farm pharmacological help. I saw that person persevere because an old kindly man gave her a pep talk. And that's just so profoundly misses the mark on mental health, I think. So like, yeah, I mean, I do. I do see where you're coming from with this um, per particular idea. I, I think they rounded out into something for Picard, especially um, that I can get behind. Right. I, I do think like it, okay, a, a big part of like your trauma and repeating cycles could be that you just haven't examined the issue and you haven't confronted it. Right. And I think like they do a pretty good job of that. And yes, it's all in the context of like some alien beings helping Picard along, but ultimately what it comes down to is he had to examine the event and recontextualize it in his life. And I think that works um, for me. 
And normally you need the help of like a professional therapist in order to do that type of stuff. Right. Probably, probably best done under that supervision. But like I, I, and I think the message of like, it's never too late to change. Right. Like even if you are a hundred years old, like you are still alive. uh, You still have a future ahead of you. If you can make this change, that future is going to be better than it will be. If you just continue to repeat these patterns. So I, I do think there is a lot there to latch onto and say, okay, this is good and healthy and shows like a way forward for people who have trauma in their lives. Did they always connect the dots perfectly? No, I don't think so. Definitely not Mm. for me, but ultimately, yeah, I I think, I think it worked for that with the Renee stuff. I I agree with you, Aaron. I think it's, it's this bizarre shortcut that they take that one talk with a person you don't even know is going to change your entire life. I just don't see yeah. it. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, it, and I, I don't feel like they didn't have the time to do it properly. Oh God. They had, they just wasted so much time with pointless action scenes, like literally pointless yeah. stuff. Um, so I don't know. Uh, but I am, I, like I said, to the extent that this is resonating with people and it makes people feel empowered and, uh, inspires them. Uh, I, I don't begrudge that. It's just kind of has the opposite effect on me. Cause like I, I, you know, you go back to Picard's history and I think about like, you know, we talk about that Borg trauma, right. Uh-huh. Um, and how like Troy knew he was like, you know, not being honest and he was trying to avoid right. those problems and he had to go back to his family to heal. And and there is like, you know, uh, and, and, and he did do that work. Uh, and again, it's like it's it's a one and done episode because that's the way the, the the series did in the early 90s. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but recontextualizing all of Picard as a man through the lens of his mother is rough because you're right. He doesn't feel he's, like a broken man before the Borg stuff. Right. Um, so and, and yeah. this, this, this like kind of retcons Deanna as being the most ineffectual beta zoid ships counselor of all time that she can, she yeah. can detect the subtle nuances of his trauma from the Borg. But like the fact that his mom offed himself in front of him and scarred him for life and, kept him in this head down repressed uh you know can't be intimate with people and uh, i don't know yeah anyway uh let's move on to doug here's my grand unifying theory of what's wrong with the season we've been here before repeatedly the overriding theme of the next generation was humanity's self-discovery through exploration the pilot set this premise with q challenging humanity or i'm sorry picard at humanity's past and picard made the case that human beings had overcome their worst uh tendencies then we got all these adventures of the Enterprise crew demonstrating that um, the Borg already went back in time, followed by the Enterprise, where they made sure a mentally unstable Zephyrin Cochran made his maiden voyage, reminiscent of Rene Picard's unsatisfying storyline, with an utter and complete lack of worry about butterflies. This series is a sad reflection of that movie. That's a great point. Ze- that Zephyrin Cochran is the type of person that you can, you know, uh, uh, pep talk. Yeah. He's not traumatized. He's just like fatalist, you know, like he's in his war twenties, but she's tried to build this rocket. It gets destroyed at the last minute. And he's just going to get drunk. And then like you put mm-hmm. all this pressure of future historical significance on him. And he's not quite up for this task. He's a guy who's trying to hot rod something in space, kind of like uh, uh, Epstein, Solomon Epstein in the expanse. He, he didn't he, like Solomon Epstein was not trying to make history. He was just trying to hot rod his, his rocket ship. Right. Yeah. Uh that that that's the perfect example of of what you can you can pep talk someone into. 
sure um, and give him a little help and guidance um so anyway um also which don't forget this was all a precursor to the actual first contact with the vulcans who didn't know earth existed until they happened to pick up cochran's warp signature despite their supposed encounter with a young fox molder now don't make me defend this fucking show it's not that the Vulcans were not uh, unaware of Earth. I mean, they were in the solar system. It's just they didn't think that humanity was near being a warp culture. And that yeah. is the prime directive bright white line. Like they do not contact pre-warp civilizations. As soon as someone achieves warp flight, they then, you know, uh, go and try to talk about bringing them into the United Federation of Planets. So mm-hmm. I'm not mad that Vulcans are studying primitive humans and are aware of Earth. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't violate the my my track canon, but like I said, damn it, don't don't fucking make me defend the show. I hate doing <laughs> it. Um, all this predicated the Enterprise series where they zoom around teaching self interested and paranoid species how to cooperate, like Girardi thawing the Borg Queen's heart. Oh, and as for visiting the year twenty twenty four, we did that at Deep Space Nine, and if I recall, that version of twenty twenty four was in worse shape than the one we're seeing in the show. And I know they did some kind of hand wave, I think, in the first few episodes to kind of gesture at that plot in deep space nine but but yeah um the point is i'd rather believe the writers can't be this lazy and unaware of all these things let's assume they're not and they wrote a show full of characters who look like other characters and other characters who don't look like who they're supposed to be and who play out a disjointed storyline that's bizarre parallel to all the trek that came before but with more gunplay to me it just feels like a the next generation holodeck episode um (laughs) it's funny because uh, Mike from the Red Letter Media crew was talking about, you know, when he was watching an episode of of Not Laris and she had the Vulcan looking earpiece that she put on. He's like, oh, this is a cue kind of dream sequence like the thing that he lived through when the Nausicaan didn't stab his heart through. And this was yeah, like the yeah. first indications like he's it, it's kind of like uh, um and, and everybody looks like everybody and everyone's descendants looks like everybody because it's essentially like the Wizard of Oz where Dorothy wakes up and you were there and you were there and you were there. And like he she had in, incorporated all these things into the dream that was and like his increasing disillusionment as he realized, oh, no, <laughs> no, 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 they're not doing anything <laughs> remote like that might have been stupid, but like, mm-hmm. you know, still I, I, it's 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 crazy. Matt from Melbourne says I joined the growing sentiment here. I've tried to watch the new episode of Picard and ended up skipping through most of it to continual interruptions to the action to explore Picard's history made it feel disjointed. I don't get why the Borg would attack from a distance with guns, but use knives and close up fights with seven and Rafi. And why was Brent Spiner there at all? What did he add to the mix that benefited the Borg queen? This is something we haven't said. What do you think of the editing of this show? Because holy shit, as a person trying to recap it scene by scene, this thing has the attention span of a fruit fly. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with that. Like intercutting multiple scenes to either heighten the drama or the action. It's fine with me. I feel like this show does that a lot. Um, Certainly more than a lot of shows I've seen, but I, I didn't have a huge problem with it. Hmm. I feel like it's it. Um, like I said, it's a valid technique, but I feel like it's overusing the show because the stakes are relatively low. The action isn't great. Yeah, I, that's true. I, I do like the when they, they do keep it. Thing, in they the, keep all the plates spinning to distract from that fact. 
Yeah, no, you're right. It can cover over a little bit of a uh, lack of the plot. The one place I liked it the most, I think, is in the Picard coma dream sequence stuff. I, I think it worked pretty effectively there with the young JL running around in the catacombs or whatever. Uh, and then all, all the other stuff uh, happening because, yeah, there was a lot going on there. And it, it, it actually made it more interesting to me to un- unveil that like piece by piece as we went through the episode. This entire season has been Picard and his crew reacting to an escalating series of fuck-ups of their own creation. The Borg Queen is assimilating people in the past, but Picard took her there in the first place. Rafi and Seven spend a handful of episodes looking for Rios, and no one seems to be worried about finding the Watcher. The Renee Picard portion of the storyline could have been wrapped up in two episodes tops, and we'd still get Allison Pill in the season-saving red dress. Feels like the rest of this has been a lot of dumb thumb-twiddling. I'm done with this show. I hate that I'll be back for a third season, but they got me. Star Trek, the fans, especially Patrick Stewart, deserve much better. That's the goddamn shame. Did you get Patrick Stewart at the in the twilight of his life and career back for Star Trek, and they let the junior varsity team on this series? Uh, mm-hmm. It's really, really disappointing. J-Cubed, do you think the writers knew that Picard has an older brother? Not even a passing line to explain why he isn't around. Again, I, I don't want to be the defender of this show, but the they had Picard's mom explicitly say that uh, he's he's busy off on his studies. And that's why it's just going to be, you know, her and, and Picard at the Chateau. Uh, yeah. Anyway, J-Cube says, for speculation on how this ends, I'm trying to think of the dumbest resolution I can. I think not having a ship and means to time travel is no big deal because they're not traveling back at all. Rios is going to stay with the Doctor in the past. Seven and Rafi find somewhere to retire in the 21st century. Picard goes to sleep in the sleep mode for the next 350 years. It would be funny if he pulls a times arrow and just goes into a cave and assumes the thinker position. Are they just like... Yeah. Fast forward to 24th and Riker's there, like just like he was a data to, to excavate the cave and dust his dust his bald head off and be like, ah, captain. It'll be a reverse. What? Back to the future two or three back to the future three uh, where like Picard runs on gasoline, but he stays in the cave for 350 years, ends up in the 24th century where they don't have gasoline anymore. No one's producing <laughs> it. And so now Picard won't run in the future. It's a real shame. Uh huh. Like canonically, positronic beings can do that. They can just deactivate themselves and be gone for decades, centuries, and then power up and be fine. So, like, he, I, <laughs> but he's the show might be crazy enough to do that. Well, but not if he just puts himself. Not if uh, they they go into the switch in the small of his back and shut him off. I don't know. I I honestly don't know how metal meat metal Picard works. I really don't know. He's got to diddle his prostate and he turns off. Sure. That's that's the opening he has in his lower back. It's uh, not the most convenient of locations, but he gets uh, the know, job done. Give give uh, give him give him a little thrill. He's not he's 100 years old. Thankfully, we have some great for all mankind to cleanse our palate with some good science fiction right around the corner. Amen. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Bald Move is going to be there. We're going to be covering season three. Uh, so definitely check out Bald Move Pulp. Subscribe to that if you want to make sure you don't lose any of our great science fiction coverage going forward and and you know who's on that ron moore you might recognize that name from star trek history mm-hmm. deep space nine right uh yeah he he was a big part of deep space nine i think he did a little bit of writing on next generation too right yeah yeah, yeah. Like he started there battle star trek. like the man knows his way yeah. around a science fiction plot and it shows mm-hmm 
Kevin P says, enjoying your commentary on Star Trek Picard. I'm a long time, 42 years now, fan of Star Trek, and I'm quite upset over this show and the showrunners and writers and how they're approaching this franchise. I wanted to point out in this past episode, number nine, that again, the writers seem to pick and choose which character they carry into the next episode. Much like Renee seems to have been forgotten and Laris was forgotten from episode seven through eight, they totally left out Guinan from episode eight through nine. Where do these characters vanish to? With that said, well, some of this might be like, again, don't maybe defend the show, but some of this might be a little COVID precautions. Like Hmm. one of the reasons that the crew is just a really skeleton and maybe why next year they're bringing all the bridge crew back uh, because they might be just standalone episodes. I don't know. But with, you know, you got old, you got Patrick Stewart, 88 years old. You want to get the white gloves and, and the hermetic seals. And you, you get you imagine to show kills Patrick Stewart with COVID. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a like, tragedy. I might I might I might find some offices in L.A. and start 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 uh, setting things on fire. if Because if <laughs> like, my God, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said. When it was announced that Star Wars was bringing about uh, Ford, Fisher, and Hamill, it was very exciting. Then we got to Star Star Wars The Force Awakens, and we got a taste of how these legacy characters are being presented. Didn't quite gel, but that film was followed up by The Last Jedi. We all witnessed a massive botch job that Star Wars as a franchise has never recovered from and can never be revisited. I feel like Star Trek Picard has literally repeated history by providing info that takes away from the characters we all grew up watching and idolizing. My fear is that with this writing staff, when we get the rest of the TNG crew coming back to season three, we'll be left with the same result. The characters will not resemble themselves or have that info presented uh, or how the info presented will continue to contradict what we have previously told in the seven seasons and four films. I don't have any faith that this writing team has the ability to coherently present these characters, present these characters correctly or consistently at this point, And will leave us with star, uh, uh, star Trek's version of the last Jedi. This is my fear as well. That Picard is like Beverly's like, I've never gotten over Jack's death and Wesley's disappearance as a traveler. Uh, mm-hmm. Worf, I've never gotten over the spinal cord injury that I suffered and the death of my, my, uh, you know, mate. Jordy, I've never gotten over the constant migraine headaches that my visor engendered upon me. It's just going to be from Leah Brahms. Yeah, (laughs) I never got over the rejection of Leah Brahms. Uh You know, like it's just going to be I'm expecting this fun romp and it might like they they might turn to ash in my mouth. It might. It might probably will. Maybe we should maybe we should brace for that. I don't know. I, I mean, probably is the operative word here. I feel like, yeah, everything I've seen has shown me that they just can't string together a compelling narrative here. And, and it's all for convenience of plot and action. Like I, I they want to focus on the episodes they want to focus. Why then why not make this like more episodic with threads that that just kind of tie these things together loosely? Because yeah, losing track of a character who's supposed to be the most important character for the future of humanity, Renee, for two episodes is absolutely insane. It's, oh, she's it's, quarantined, you know, like Q, Q and, and Soong. Sure. They, they, that's and, the and, then, like, and then you get Soong saying, well, I can get you into mission control. Oh, OK, well, then blow up the fucking ship and the, the Europa mission is off like. You know, th- th- there are a thousand different ways he could approach this. Right. That could stop this mission. Renee isn't the only concern. And yet they make mm-hmm. it seem like Renee's the only concern and that Renee's just gone for two episodes. It's like, 
Yeah, and I, there's a lot of defense of this show, which boils down to, and I've engaged in it this too because I'm trying to be fair. But it's like there's a line that explains, and like you can't, man, that doesn't always work. Like if Jordy comes back next season and he's got a massive penis instead of a nose, mm-hmm. he's like, well, I got plastic surgery because because this is this is actually the 24th century, late 24th century fashion. Explained. That's yeah. a line that explains it, but it's still fucking stupid. Because <laughs> sure. Jordan's got a giant dick on his face. Uh, I don't know, man. Like some does that that does it for a lot of fans. Like, well, they they explicitly said in the script that this is what I'm like. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I I feel like most of that stuff should come like organically or be plot or character driven rather than just the show told me that this is and that therefore it's okay. It's like I'm yeah. I'm glad they didn't. I guess it's better than just doing it and not acknowledging the plot hole, but by very slim degrees. And there's definitely an art there. Like there are some things I will forgive with a line and there are some things I will not. And I feel like the main thrust of why they're here in the past to begin with is not something I'm easy to forgive with a single line. And we're coming into this open mind. Didn't we didn't we start the season like pretty high on it, thinking like, you know, this first yeah. episode or two is pretty good. Oh, well, this looks mm-hmm. like it's gonna be fun. Star Trek four, even if it's like not super serious, is and like somehow like I we didn't even get a fun show. I guess Pat yeah. Benatar was supposed to be the fun part. Uh John T has some questions for us. Can we please move on from the postmodern obsession with deconstructing the hero and subverting expectations? Seriously, has this not been run into the ground? At some point it's just a crutch so you don't have to tell stories that are themselves well crafted and interesting. Amen. My yeah. God. Stop worrying about subverting expectations and maybe just let the internet hive mind figure it out and tell a good story. Cause you know what? If you tell a good story, it doesn't matter if it's spoiled. Cause like yeah. I've seen the Godfather 50 times. I know exactly how it's going to end. It's still a fucking good watch. You know, mm-hmm. I still get things out of it on my 50th time through. But since we're firmly into all action and emo Trek era is hate watching the show a legitimate option. Cause man, I am there as a palate cleanser. A few weeks ago, I watched Trek the motion picture for the first time in over a decade. It's always been my least favorite, but this time I really enjoyed it. Same. Mm-hmm. We yep. just rewatched this on a, as the start off of a Trek marathon. We did a couple years back for charity and I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed the motion picture because yeah. Even though it's not the best of old Trek, it's still recognizably Trek. It's a supersized Star Trek episode. Yeah, for sure. And, and it, it tr- treats my attention span and my uh, understanding of of plot uh, like an adult. I, I don't have to be constantly entertained by some kind of action scene. Otherwise, I'm going to turn, turn the channel. That's just not. I don't know. I don't know. I guess maybe attention spans are that short with as much streaming stuff as is out there. Maybe Paramount's like, we got to capture eyeballs. People aren't going to sit through, uh, you know, 42 minutes of navel gazing, but I will. I will. Shit, I'll sit through two and a half hours of it. Craig T says something from episode seven. Elorians can fight the Q, but not the Borg. My head cannon said uh, that Guinan could deflect anything the Q threw at her back at him. And that's why she was so dangerous. How do you score that, Jim? Because I, I always liked it that Guinan was like this mysterious, powerful character that you didn't know the exact extent um, of, her, of her powers. But yeah, I kind of want to save a little bit of this talk for the next episode, which okay. I've seen already, because um, okay. there's some interesting stuff to talk about there. But yeah, I, I never viewed the Alorians as nearly as powerful as Q. Like Q, in my mind, is a god. 
Um, and any mortal being will not be able to stand toe to toe with the Q on it in any respect. I I thought that Guinan was like a wasp to Q that she knew how to maybe hurt him in some ineffable way, but never could kill him. Uh, and, and like, she's still also frightened of the Borg, I think appropriately. So like, they're not, I think they're powerful and in very undefined, mysterious ways that works. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, yeah. So I don't know if if, if your headcanon is different. I mean, maybe, Uh, maybe the Alorans are like snakes, uh, guard garden snakes or something to Q, right? Where it's like, he sees one and he's like, oh, oh, that's, that's disturbing for a second. And then he realizes, oh no, I'm actually much bigger and more powerful than that creature. And so fine, whatever. What's worse, season two of Picard or Book of Boba Fett? <laughs> I'll never watch either of them again. So I mean, that's the it's like it's very an apt comparison because I think they both commit similar sins where they don't have it. They, they had an idea. They didn't have a plot to justify it. There's a lot of filler. Um, I mean, at least they didn't have half the season be Janeway and company. I mean, that would be weird <laughs> if we're in that the middle of weird. Picard sorting out his childhood trauma and suddenly we do three episodes leading up to the end of the series with uh, Janeway. Dan W says, I can't even begin to comment or rant on how bad the season of Picard has turned out. What a train wreck. I hear that little kid. If I hear that little kid of a version of Picard calling back, Maman, Maman, one more time down those tunnels, I'm going to hurl. That aside, was it just me or did you notice a shout out to Bruce Willis and Pulp Fiction in the latest episode? Hologram Elnor goes to the armory locker to find a weapon. He picks up a laser pistol. Nope. Puts it back. Laser rifle. Nope. Puts that back too. Then he All sees right. a samurai sword, grabs with a grin, just like Willis during the basement gimp scene. Mm-hmm. Elnor even kills a foot a Borg foot soldier with the backward underhand sword jab like Willis did to the guy in the basement. Coincidence? No, now that you pointed it out, it I think that's a deliberate homage. Yeah. Uh, which would be fun in an otherwise not waste of a time season. I, sure. I like it when filmmakers do, do that. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. Chris DC says it's pretty sad when the podcast is more entertaining than the show it covers, but you guys do set a high bar. Well, thank you for the high praise, Chris. Anyway, I'm thinking this season is going to get Picard uh, or is going to get with Picard saving Q and then Q making Picard a Q known as JL. Ha ha ha. Okay. If, if that sounds stupid, well, it's no different than the other nine episodes. Sincerely hoping the outer worlds is back to the track we know and love. Steal yourself for it not being because, again, it's the same people who think they're doing good work and who are saying explicitly, I'm not, we are not reacting to the criticism of the fans because we think those fans have their heads up their asses. So. If you'll recall, I mentioned being alarmed by that talk, but thinking that was just Hollywood bravado because you don't want to give your critics ammunition, but you it just any sane person takes fair criticism to, to, to heart, right? You would think so. Uh, we're not dealing with that that type here. And that is the feedback that we've gotten for season uh, two, episode nine. Jim, are we going to do a feedback episode for the final episode? I'm as I'm, I imagine it depends on how much you know. Again, the warp containment st- structure status. Uh, people are done with the yeah. show. Uh, there may be things to talk about, so like it, we'll either have a feedback episode af- after next week or we won't. And if we don't, it's not because we got lazy or we're bummed. It's just because you know uh, Jordy said uh, we're we're doing fine. 
everything's everything's good the yeah. antimatter and matter feed is, is all is all in 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 the scope of of nominal nominal is what they call it right yeah no i expect we will uh i think people are going to be interested in talking about this final episode a little bit so yeah no we haven't had a shortage of feedback you know obviously lots yeah. of people are passionate about this uh but and that's another thing is like It'll be interesting to see what they can, you know, like if, if there are any surprising twists and turns for next week, if there's something that can put a smile on our face, stay tuned. Picard at baldmove.com is how you get in touch with us. That's how our subspace communications work. Our hailing frequencies are open. We'll see you next week for the finale of Star Trek Picard. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.